Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. I know because I experienced some of it. I told you I was in a meeting one time and I was in a denomination and a, a preacher came and he's supposed to be giving us a lecture because they like to do lectures and preaching. That's one of the, somebody's telling me about this, this big minister's conference, which I don't go to because I know it ain't nothing but a hooping contest. And somebody was telling me not too long about the Conites, you know, the Conites. You know, you know some of these brothers are Conites. And James Cone is demonic. He's the one who goes around. If you let him in, he'll come to your church and tell your church how you all have to stop being homophobic and realize. In fact, I, I, read, I didn't even know he said this. I just read this this past weekend, uh, this past week. He actually has gone out and said, the church needs to learn from the LGBT community what love really is. And you got preachers running around talking about that James Cone, James Cone, man, James Cone's the man. Well, you know, he talks black liberation theology. So, you know, I, I've said, look, and I believe this for some people, I hope nobody in here, but for some people who are racially minded, if, if, if they're really, you know, sort of into the black thing, if the devil was black, they'd be saying, man, get that brother a break, man. That, that, that man, come on, man. <laughs> you know, you know they're just out to get that brother because he's black. And you could just extrapolate, you know, white people, you know, anybody who's racially minded, then they're, they're looking for something that, that speaks to their flesh rather than something that speaks to the spirit of God, amen? And reflects what God wants for their lives, amen? But that's, and that's what religion will often do. Your religion will satisfy the flesh. I mean, you all realize some of the crazy stuff? I, I saw a documentary about a woman who had joined the Church of Scientology and you know, the Church of Scientology, they believe that we are all, I mean, this stuff is so crazy, <laughs> but they believe that we've all been planted by aliens and, and we planted millions of years ago and we have many, many lives that you know, we have unresolved stuff in. And when you join the Church of Scientology, they help you to get clear. That's the word clear on all your past lives. So you know, you go to these counseling sessions now, you don't have to spend about $300,000 to get clear. That's all it takes. $300,000, you know, because the higher up you go, the, the, the more, oh man, you, you, you're getting close to clear now. <laughs> and this woman's son has schizophrenia and the church, the, the church of Scientology, it ain't, it's not a church. See, the word church comes from the Greek word, I mean, not the Greek word, the German word, kortike, which was spelled with a K, we brought it into kortik with a C-H, and the word kirk, the name kirk, that's, that, that name means church. So the church means, comes from ultimately the Greek word kortios, and church means the people of the Lord. So when they call it the church of Scientology, they're told a lie right there. <laughs> told a lie right there, because they're not the people of the Lord. Okay, but anyway, they don't believe in seeing doctors. And you know, you see a doctor, you get shunned. You must not really be clear. Well, the poor boy had schizophrenia. He didn't know anything about casting out them devils and praying for him and anointing him with oil. And, 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 and look, and in the meantime, sure, getting him treatment to, to try to you know, keep him calm and keep him safe. 
And finally, after all of this time spent, they had him going to these classes, you know, where they, they're asking you all these personal questions and delving into your personal life, because obviously, they need to know everything about you, everything wrong you've ever done. So when you get ready to leave, they can say, now you know, we know what you did. And we're the ones who are going to protect you. In other words, a way of roping people, manipulating people. He finally killed his mother. Finally killed her. That's what, that's what religion will get you. Yeah, he finally killed her. Just, you know, just went off and just killed her. So, so saints, religion is dangerous. Amen? I don't say these things to put these people down, but, but, but what we were talking about earlier, what was being spoken about earlier, everybody is being discipled in one way or another. And it's our job to, to help them to understand how to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's the only discipleship that's real. Amen? Amen. 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 So healing and forgiveness, healing and salvation. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Of course, this is a familiar passage of scripture, but this, let's take a, again, take a fresh look at this. Because saints, people need answers. Do you know the one thing you can be sure of for every single person you'll ever meet? They got problems. Every single one of them. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care what they do. I don't think they can be famous. I, it, it doesn't matter. They got problems. Ask somebody telling me about a, about a sports team um, who has been a chaplain for a sports team telling me about he said, you know, 19, 20, 21-year-old millionaires, just as messed up and confused as they can be. Got plenty of money, got fame, but just their lives are just a wreck. I mean, we see it broadcast on television. Everybody you'll ever meet has problems. The only thing is, if you meet people who actually know the Lord, they're not burdened, at they, they know the Lord and they know the Word of God, they're not burdened down by those problems because they know who the answer is. So now walking around, oh, man. And you know, how many of you have this experience? You say something to somebody, you begin to minister to them on a spiritual level, and the person just starts to break down. So there was something so heavy on their hearts that the moment you broached it without even realizing maybe what you were saying, the tears came up and, and the person breaks down. That's because there's, some, there's a need there that they have and nothing they've been doing is answering it. Because only God can, amen? Amen. Amen. Go to Isaiah 53. Let's just read verses 4 and 5 together. Uh, and, and let me slow you down as we read it. Read that first phrase. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now look, the word griefs is a, is a Hebrew word, holy, which means sickness and disease. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and diseases. See? So when he went on the cross, he not only bore your sin, he bore your sicknesses and diseases. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And that word sorrows, it, it's the word macabre. It means physical or mental affliction and pain. You've been in pain? He's, he bore your pain. He is the answer. He's the salve. He's the bomb in Gilead. Read on. It says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Praise God. That word heal, Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. 
We are, he is our healer. By his stripes, we were healed. So when we confess, Lord, thank you, by your stripes, I was healed, it's, it's biblical. Yeah. Not making it up. When people say, well, you know, that's, you're trying to name it and claim it. If it's in the Bible, I'm going to name it and claim it. Now, if it's not in the Bible, I don't have any right to name it and claim it, as they, as they put it, unless I've got a promise that God has put in my spirit, this is, what, this is what God wants to do for me, amen? I'm believing that, but I don't have the right to just believe any old thing because I make something up, yeah, I want this. I'm, 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 I'm confessing it. Well, you just confess yourself into oblivion. It's, whatever you're believing for, it's got to be rooted and grounded and founded in the word of God, amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Here's the third thing, and I think I'll be able to wrap this one up. So we know that healing is part of the covenant. We know that healing and forgiveness and salvation are part of one package. But here's something that you need to understand. Persistence is critical. It's critical. Don't ever assume that, well, we're walking in power uh, I prayed for that person. I haven't seen any results. I'm done with it. No, 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 no. You got to persist. Amen. You got to persist in your confession. You got to persist in your prayer. You got to persist in thanking God for the breakthrough and for the outcome. You can't just either give up or walk away. See, this, this is the problem with cowardly Christians. This is why a lot of them buy this mess. Well, God doesn't want to heal everybody. They, and, and they're afraid to pray for healing because they're afraid the person might die. And then they feel like, oh, I look like a fool. I don't care. I mean, I don't care if a person dies. I don't care what I look like. I'm trying to get the person healed. Yeah. Don't be worried about what I look like and how I'm going to appear if this doesn't work out. Forget it. Glory to God. You know, when I haven't, I haven't been doing a whole lot of speaking prophetically into the lives of people lately, but when I do that, you know, one of the first hurdles people overcome is, well, what if I'm wrong? What I learned is, if you are sincerely trying to hear from God, when you hear from him, you speak. And when you haven't heard from him, you shut up. And God said this to me, son, you, I will never let you fall flat on your face for trying to be obedient to me. And that's the confidence that I have. I, I never even worry about people. I, I, don't, I don't know what that meant. I don't either. <laughs> you know? It doesn't, doesn't matter. Amen. But, but you know what? I've had people come back sometimes, years later, years later, and say, you know, you spoke a word to me and I've forgotten it. I said, really? They said, yeah. And you know such and such, such happened. I said, really? Yeah, praise the Lord. See, if I get all worried about... Well, you know, uh, uh, they didn't even know what, well, Lord, maybe I better not do that. <laughs> they, I don't know, they don't, doesn't mean, didn't mean anything. That doesn't matter. Because you're, you're speaking in the spirit, amen? amen? And sometimes, look, things that you may speak into the life of a person as God moves you. Now, 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 now watch this, you know, because parking lot prophecies can be dangerous. You don't let everybody be speaking into your life. And, and I say, because people, because I travel a lot and see a lot of people, I get a lot of that. And you know what my attitude is? If it confirms what I already heard, already know, I receive it. And if it doesn't, I just say, well, Lord, I don't despise prophecy, but I put that in your hands and move on. I, believe me, I ain't going down to Dallas and have somebody come up to me. The Lord told me to tell you, you shouldn't stay here. And then Sister Jackson said, well, Bishop ain't coming back because somebody spoke to him in the parking lot and told him he's supposed to stay here. 
No, the Lord didn't tell me that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, one of my mentors, Dr. Rafe Kelly, used to say people would come up to him and, and tell him, you know, the Lord told me to tell you. And he said, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. God is not afraid of me. And when he gets ready to tell me something, he's not intimidated. He'll let me know. Thank you very much. And cut that. Because, you know, a lot of see, people will use this stuff to manipulate you. And you all know that. We just had a man get 40 years in prison. And somebody was saying, you know, what a great ministry he built. Yeah, but he was a pedophile. People will use the Bible and use religion to manipulate folks. Amen. 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 But look, persistence, persistence. Go to Mark chapter eight. Go to Mark chapter eight. So look, your attitude has got to be this. God promised me healing. Healing is part of my covenant. I'm going to get it. Period. I don't care if it takes five minutes or it takes five years. I'm going to get what God has promised to me. Amen. 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 Don't let the devil stop you. Somebody came up to me after, I think, a sermon a week or two ago where I said, you know, when you pray about something, when you go to God before something, I said, uh, about something, I said, the first thing you ought to understand is Satan's going to try to convince you that nothing you did was effective. Something's going to come in from the left or the right, and, and it's going to look worse than it did before. The devil is a lie. But he, that's what he tries to do, try to convince you. See, that didn't even work. Oh, it worked. That's why he's coming at you, trying to get you to stop, cut off that power. Because he's, he's trying to manipulate and get, get his thing done. You're praying to God. If he can get you to stop that, just stop putting your faith in God, then he's got you. And you ought to expect that. Say, devil, you're a lie. I know my prayer work. Praise the name of the Lord. Look, look, saints, you know, I've, every time now and then I mention Smith Wigglesworth, because he, he was a great, great man of God. And they say he was in a, a, a healing line one time. And um, so it came up on a guy who was laying on a, they, they brought him in in a hospital bed and he's laying in the line and Smith Woodworth comes up to him, man can barely move. And you know, just laid out. And Smith Wigglesworth looks at him and he, he apparently, this is one of the things he would do as the Lord led him. He looked at the man, hauled off, hit him, bam! The man's body jumped up off the bed, arms slipped out, <laughs> and the man went. The, the woman who was with him apparently noticed something said, You killed him! You killed him! You killed the man! Smith Wigglesworth had a very heavy Welsh accent, and he just looked at it and said, He's healed. Which meant he's healed. He's healed. And she looked at it and said, He's dead! He's dead! He yield and went on prayed for the next person, prayed for the next person, prayed for the next person. Got way down the line. Next thing you know, a commotion down there. This man jumped up off the bed and come running down there to Smith Wigglesworth saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Smith Wigglesworth just looked and said, he yield. <laughs> he didn't allow what he saw to affect his faith. See, this is what we do. This is why we come up with these doctrines. Well, you know, God doesn't want to heal everybody. That's because somebody prayed for somebody and they didn't get any results. So now they made up something to try to convince them and themselves that, well, you know, it doesn't always work. But it always works. It always works. Amen. We just don't always work it. That's the problem. Amen. 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 Glory to God. 
Okay, uh, where did I tell you to go? Go to uh, uh, Mark chapter 8. Let's read that. It says, uh, verses 22, uh, yeah, let's read, start verse 22, read verse 22 and 20, 22 and 20, read 22 through 24. It says, then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Now, this dispels the myth that every time Jesus sought to heal somebody, the results were instantaneous. This is one of those cases where it was not. And there may be some others, because John said all the things that Jesus did, if they were written in the book, said all the books in the world couldn't hold them all. So there may have been other instances, but in this case, he said, well, how, what, what, what's going on? Jesus asked him, what do you see? The man said, well, I see men like trees. In other words, here's what he's saying. I see something, but my vision's not clear. That's what he's saying. So read on. It says, 25th verse, it says, then he put his hands on, uh, his, hands on his eyes again. Did, uh, when? Did it what? Again. Again. You got to be persistent. Even Jesus didn't say, well, I pray for you. Something must be wrong with your faith. He put his hands on him again. Let's read that again. It says, then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Praise God. Saints, don't be discouraged because you don't see the results that you're looking for right away. Persist. You know, Luke 18 says a man ought always, men ought always to pray and not faint, not lose heart, not give up. And then he told the parable about that, that woman uh, and the unjust judge. And, and of course, he wasn't saying God is unjust, but he was saying, look, this woman and her persistence even brought an unjust judge around to doing what she needed him to do. And he says, well, then will not God, who is not unjust, who loves you, Will he not answer you speedily, though he bears long with you? And if you look at the, the Greek behind that, what it's saying is, will he not answer you in a timely way because his passion for you never wanes? It never wanes. Glory to God. You know, very often the delay is about God trying to get us positioned to receive what he wants to do, not us trying to position God to do what we need him to do. But him trying to get us to where we need to be to receive what we need to receive from him. Amen? Amen. Saints, the word is what does it. The word is what gives you that confidence. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, cast not away, maybe that's wrong, but cast not away your confidence, which has great reward. Because you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So you can't give up. You can't lose heart. You can't back down. Pastor Gail's always telling me, she goes to the nursing home, and of course you got people in terrible shape. And Pastor Gail says she up there preaching to them, God wants to heal you right now. God wants to heal you. God wants to lift you up out of that wheelchair. I say, you go. What are you supposed to tell them? Well, you know, the Lord put you in that wheelchair for a reason and just enjoy it. I mean, listen, we're going to get into this more in detail later. You've got to minister the word to people. You can't preach 
to people based on your feelings. You gotta preach to them based on the word of God. Amen? Your feelings go all over the place. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But the word of God is always right. So you have to preach people up to the standard of the word of God. You can't come down. Well, I don't want to say that because, you know, <laughs> I've never seen anybody get healed of that. I don't want to get their hopes up. No, you've you got to preach the word of God. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, what? Faith is the substance of things not seen. Right? The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You've got, you got to preach faith. That means you jack people's hopes up. You jack people's vision up. You jack people's faith up. You have them expecting more than they ever expected before. I hope that's what's happening for you. I hope it just keeps growing. You just keep expecting more and more and more and more and more and more. Because guess what? I'm not the one has got it for you. But the word of God is what promised it to you. I'm not teaching you to put your confidence in Bishop. Bishop's going, Bishop said the word and he's going to do it for me. No. But the word will do it for you. Amen. The word will, will, look, the word will heal that loved one. The word will bring that wayward person home. The word will get that marriage in order. The word will cause that young person to get right with God. The word of God will cause your mind, your heart, your whatever is bothering you to get, to, to get resolved, to get settled. The word will do it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, hope, he upholds all things by the power of the word. The Bible says by, by faith, he framed the worlds. He framed everything. He framed your life. Glory to God. He spoke the word about you and over you before you even existed in the natural. Because the Bible says all your days were written when as yet there were none of them. That means God had a plan and a purpose for who you would be, when you would be, how you would be, where you would go, what you would do. And if you're walking out that plan, you're going to see miraculous things happen. Yeah, I went to a, a meeting this past weekend. And at, they have a dinner, and I'm gonna end with this. They have a dinner uh, on the, both evenings, but I, I didn't, want, didn't want to stay the whole weekend, so I stayed last night, but they have a dinner. Uh, and the way they seat people is, of course it's not all random, but because obviously people were big sponsors and whatnot, they assigned them to tables. But for most of the people who are just members of this organization, they seat you randomly. You know, they basically you know, pick you out, and, and then at the, they give you a chart that you find your name and you find what table you're at. So I found my name, I was at table 18, I went and sat down. And when I sat down, I sat down beside a guy that Sister Jackson and I met in, in Texas, um, and I said, he said, you mean you're sitting beside me? I said, well yeah, I guess so. I said, praise the Lord. He said, yeah, praise the Lord, because I've been wanting to talk to you. I said, okay. So I got to talk to him and we spent some time fellowshipping, and I found out that he is a retired president of a Fortune 500 company. Now you never know that by meeting him because he's just, you know, just a nice Christian guy. You never know that by meeting him. So we talked and, and shared and, and he's you know, working on a particular candidate's campaign and all that. Devout brother, devout, he's an ordained minister as well uh, as a retired Fortune 500 company. And we got to talking and talking and I don't know how it came up. But before the night was over, he said, well yeah, you know, he said, um, uh, I, one of my dearest friends is Kenneth Copeland. And I said, what? He said, oh yeah. He said, he's one of my dearest friends. He said, I'm on the board of directors of Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I said, really? Wow. He said, yeah. 
I said, you know, I used to go to his meetings. I said, and, and I, somehow 10 years ago, I, it got interrupted. The flow got interrupted, and I, I haven't been back since. I said, and I haven't since, you know, when you stop going, they stop sending you invitations because they send invitations to people they expect to go. I said, so I don't even get invited anymore. He said, well, you'll get invited now. I said, okay. He said, and I want to introduce you to Brother Copeland. I said, really? I said, I told my wife, I said, you know, I prayed years ago that I wanted to meet him and get to know him. I said, I forgot all about that. God's still answering prayer that you forgot about. Amen. In ways that you don't even know, you don't even anticipate. God is still answering prayer. But, but, but I, I, I will end with this. He told me another one of these stories. This one I never heard. He said, I was sitting, I was having dinner with Brother Copeland and Gloria Copeland. Uh, and I, he, you know, after dinner, he asked me, he said, he usually do this, he does this. He said, so, so is there anything you want me to pray for you about? And he said, yeah, Brother Copeland. He said, I got a good friend who has just been called into evangelism. He's got an old bus that he tries to use, but he's trying to raise money to, to buy a new one. Would you just pray with him? He's, he's making progress, but just pray for him that the Lord will really bless him. He said, okay, we'll do that. They prayed for him. Said a week later, he got a call from Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland said, uh, you know, tell me more about this guy you were talking about who needs a bus. He said, oh yeah, well, so, you know, he's, he's, he's a good man. And he's trying to do the work of the Lord. He said, well, bring him out. I want to meet him. So they brought him out to the hangar where they say that's where Brother Copeland likes to work. He likes being around his planes and, and that's where he's comfortable and, you know, casually dressed and all that. So, so they came in and they talked a while and Brother Copeland said, come on, let me show you the hangar. So and a part of the hangar, they had this gigantic quarter million dollar bus. So they walk up to it and, and, and um, Brother Copeland said, yeah, you're probably looking for something like that. He said, Brother Copeland, I ain't looking for nothing like that. He said, I, he said, I don't even dream something like that. He said, but something, something that'll be comfortable. He said, well, go in. He said, they walked in and took a look. He said, oh man, he said, I didn't even know they made anything like this. He said, and Brother Copeland, as they walked out, he said, well, could you use something like that? He said, could I use something like that? He said, oh my goodness, of course I could, but Brother Copeland, I can't, I can't afford anything like that. He said, because they were both thinking that Brother Copeland was going to say, well, look, I can sell it to you. He said, Brother Copeland grabbed him by his shoulders and said, in the name of Jesus, I impart it to you. He said, when he did that, he said, tears. They fell to their knees in tears. The Spirit of God just moved on that situation. He said, Brother Copeland said, now get up. He said, now look, I give this to you in the name of Jesus. He said, and I want you to know there are no strings attached. You don't need to come to my meetings. You don't need to sow into my ministry. He said, and it's yours when I give it to you. He said, if you want to sell it tomorrow morning, you can do that. He said, because I give it to you with absolutely no strings attached. It's yours. He said, drove that bus out of there. Now, saints, that's what the power is about. See, it's not about Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. I want a Bentley. I want a mansion. I want, well, you know, God wants to give you good stuff. But how about being a blessing to somebody? You want to really be blessed with the best? Be a giver. Amen. Bless other people. Amen. Amen. And we were talking about, we, you know, we got to talk about his plane. He said, yeah, people complain about him having airplanes. He said, but he said, Brother Copeland's given away almost 30 planes to people in ministry. Outright. Just giving them away. So saints, this is what the power is for. This is why you need to walk in power so that you can be a blessing to other people. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Because God wants to work miraculously in your life and do the unusual and the unexpected. That was just an unexpected blessing that I met a member of the board of directors at a meeting that I had no idea that the man even knew Kenneth Copeland, but there it was. Amen. So come, come next year, uh, come uh, uh, January after our MLK breakfast, looks like I'll be going back to the minister's conference uh, with Brother Copeland. So God bless you. Stand up on your feet and give God praise. Amen.